I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Welcome back to To Be Honest. Last week, I received an interesting email from someone whose initial is CJ. So I want to give a shout out to CJ. I want to thank you for spending the time to write me this email, and you asked why I only touched on Storge, Eros, Philia, and Agape, and left out the other levels of love. To be honest, I chose those four because I think they are more common. And guess what, CJ? I have changed my mind since I received your email, and I think the audience、uh, would thank you for that because I have decided that the other types of、uh, love relationships are just as significant as the four that I touched on last week. So I thank you, CJ. Now let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish. To put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. Take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your past go. Let your worries go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. And exhale out with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. 
All right. The other types of love, according to ancient Greeks, ludus, playful love, mostly between children or casual lovers. We can also lift out our ludus when we sit around in a bar or pub, bantering and laughing with friends, or when we go out dancing. If you follow my work, you often hear me say that dancing is good for the soul. So dancing with strangers may be the ultimate ludic activity, almost a playful substitute for sex. Another Greek love was the mature love, known as pragma, P-R-A-G-M-A. This was the deep understanding that developed between long-married couples. Pragma was about making compromises to help the relationship work over time, and showing patience and tolerance. The psychoanalyst Eric Fromm said that we spend too much energy on falling in love and need to learn more how to stand in love. I absolutely agree with him. Pragma is precisely about standing in love, making an effort to give love rather than just receive it. Therefore, as long as one or both partners practice gift to take, there will be no pragma. With roughly about a third of first marriages in the U.S. ending through divorce or separation in the first ten years, the Greeks would surely think we should bring a serious dose of pragma into our relationships. In Australia, I believe is our statistics is forty nine thousand hundred and sixteen divorces were granted in two thousand nineteen and. It turned out to be roughly 1.9 per 1,000 people. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the number is high. All right, the last one that I know of is philoftia or love of the self. It's spelled P H I L A U T I A. Now, the Greeks philoftia or self-love. They're so clever. They realized there were two types of philoftia. One was an unhealthy variety associated with narcissism. Remember the eight series I did on narcissism, where you became self-obsessed and focused on personal fame and fortune. On the other hand, a healthier version of philoftia, self-love, enhanced your wider capacity to love. The idea was that if you like yourself and feel secure in yourself, you will have plenty of love to give others. That means filling your own cup and whatever is overflowing. Only then is healthy to give your love to someone else, as is reflected in the Buddhist-inspired concept of self-compassion. Or, as Aristotle put it, all friendly feelings for others are an extension of a man's feelings for himself. You bet, because in my work, I found that you just can't give what you don't have. If you do not love yourself in a healthy manner, I'm not talking about a narcissistic love. You just cannot love another authentically. So the ancient Greeks found diverse kinds of love in relationships with a wide range of people. Like friends, family, spouses, strangers, and even themselves. 
The message from the Greeks is to nurture the varieties of love and tap into its many sources. So don't just seek eros, that means romantic love, like most of us do, but cultivate philia, P-H-I-L-I-A, the love of close friendship. I covered that last week, so please go back to last week's episode if you don't remember what philia is. All right, so now I have covered all the Greek, ancient Greek levels of love, as far as I know. Do email me if there is more levels of love in ancient Greek. So again, storge, eros, philia, agape, pragma, philautia, and ludus. The five love languages, how to express heartfelt commitment to your mate, Gary Chapman. Now, last week, I touched on language number one, words of affirmation. And second, I talked about quality time. Today, I'm going to talk about acts of service. Now, those that speak the acts of service, love language, feel incredible when you do something for them that helps them out or lightens their load. Now, this might be doing a disliked chore on their behalf or taking the initiative to give them some time alone or to relax. Acts of service make them feel valued and appreciated on a deep level, and this translates into a sense of great love. And I quote from Chapman's book, What we do for each other before marriage is no indication of what we will do after marriage. Due to the sociological changes of the past 30 years, there is no longer a common stereotype of the male and female role in American society. Unquote. And I'm sure it's similar in Australia as well. And here are two suggested exercises from Chapman. Cut out some heart-shaped note cards and print the following. Well, actually, I think handwritten is even better. Today, I will show my love for you by filling in the blank. Complete the sentence with one of the following. Mowing the lawn, washing the dishes, vacuuming the floor, taking the dog for a walk, cleaning the fishbowl, babysitting the kids, so you could enjoy your manicure and pedicure, etc., etc. Another exercise you can do is ask your partner to make a list of 10 things or more that they would like for you to do during the next month. Then ask them to prioritize those by numbering them 1 to 10, with 1 being the most important and 10 being least important. Use this list to plan your strategy for a month of love. Get ready to live with a happy partner. Love language number four, physical touch. Now, those who speak the language of physical touch can't get enough of the close contact. So most likely they are very tactile. This can include sexual intimacy with a partner, but also means holding hands, cuddling on the couch, put their hand on your lap when you're driving or sitting on the couch, receiving a back massage, and much more. 
The physical intimacy in a partnership is a major priority for these individuals, and you can show them you love them with just the touch of a hand or a kiss on the cheek. Such people are likely to be very affectionate to you as well. In Chapman's book, and I quote. Physical touch can make or break a relationship. It can communicate hate or love to the person whose primary love language is physical touch. The message will be far louder than the words "I hate you" or "I love you." A slap in the face is detrimental to any child, but it is devastating to a child whose primary love language is touch. A tender hug communicates love to any child, but it shouts love to the child whose primary love language is physical touch. The same is true for adults. If your spouse's primary love language is physical touch, nothing is more important than holding her as she cries. Unquote. Again. Two exercises that you may wish to try out with your partner are: as you walk from the car to the shopping mall or supermarket, reach out and hold your partner's hand. Now, this one is interesting, and I like this one. Walk up to your partner and say, "Have I told you lately that I love you?" Take them in your arms and hug them while you rub their back and continue. You are the greatest. Take note. Resist the temptation to rush to the bedroom. Untangle yourself and move on to the next thing. The fifth love language: receiving gifts. While I'm sure you have heard the phrase, it's the thought that counts. For the person with the love language of receiving gifts, that thought means more than anything else in the relationship. A gift is a representation of thought. When you choose a gift for someone, you consider who they are and what they like. Well, unfortunately, not everybody does that. So let's say if you wish to be a loving partner or a true friend, make sure you purchase something that they like and not you think that they like, or worse, you purchase them something you like. So let's say when you receive a gift, you know that person was thinking about you. The act of obtaining and giving a gift symbolizes effort. The receiver of the gift feels love because that effort was made for them. It is not the size of the gift that matters. The gesture is everything. Think about gifts you gave your parents as a child, or if you are a parent, think about how you feel when your child draws you a picture. Or makes you breakfast in bed. It warms the heart to feel that kind of love from them. It makes you feel special, right? You know their love is real and deep. Indeed, a gift can be considered a tangible symbol of love. In Gary Chapman's book, and I quote: "If your spouse's primary love language is receiving gifts, you can become a proficient gift giver." In fact, it is one of the easiest love languages to learn. There is an intangible gift that sometimes speaks more loudly than the gift that can be held in one's hand. I call it the gift of self or the gift of presence. 
being there when your spouse needs you speaks loudly to the one whose primary love language is receiving gifts. Physical presence in the time of crisis is the most powerful gift you can give if your spouse's primary love language is receiving gifts. Your body becomes the symbol of your love. Remove the symbol, and the sense of love evaporates. Unquote. Two exercises: If your spouse's love language is receiving gifts, one, keep a gift idea notebook. Every time you hear your spouse say, "I really like that," or "Oh, I would really like to have one of those," write it down in your notebook. Listen carefully, and you will get quite a list. This will serve as a guide when you get ready to select a gift. Second exercise that you can do is offer the gift of your presence. Say to your partner, "I want to offer the gift of my presence at any event or on any occasion you would like this month. You tell me when, and I will make every effort to be there." So, my audience, there you have it—the five love languages: words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, receiving gifts, and physical touch. Let me end this episode by quoting Gary Chapman: "Most sexual problems in marriage have little to do with physical technique, but everything to do with meeting emotional needs." Unquote. My audience, now that you know the ancient Greeks' levels of love and Gary Chapman's five love languages, it would be wise to spend some time to find what is your primary love language, as well as your partner's friends, because you see, love is not just a feeling. Love is also a verb. It takes action to express your love to your partner and loved ones. It's a choice whether you want to invest time and effort. So choose wisely. Until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www. drbarbarakiao. com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O. dot com.